Hi, this is Vanessa Sunshine. Hi, this is Alicia. Hi, I'm Georgia Love. I'm Osha Ginsberg. If you're listening to the sound of my voice, you are on the Bachelor of Hearts podcast. What do you do with an arts degree? I'm still not sure I know. I skipped three years worth of lectures just to binge watch awful shows. There must be some scholarship for accruing worthless knowledge. It's my only talent, honey. That and losing money. Let your excess hex debts rest and then just join us while we start on our bachelor. Welcome back to the Bachelor of Hearts podcast, the Bachelor Australia podcast that asked the question, how are we supposed to go on without beautiful Trent? Oh, Trent. remember Trent? All the things Trent yeah. would do? The man who became a real life fan favorite of the franchise. Sorry, I'm just checking my notes. Trent is his name? Yeah. He was the fan, kicked the fan the favorite of the opera? <laughs> I think. And we are... Outraged. My name is Max Quinn, ready to list off all of his favorite things about Trent. It's just an ugly word to say. Xavier <laughs> Rebetsky Noonan. Hi, Xavier. Hello. I love 31 year old finance broker from WA Trent. <laughs> I love his sparkly tux that he wore. I love mm-hmm. that he has never had a bad date. He's picky before and he always does well on his dates. And other facts that I'm reminding myself of while looking at his profile on the website. And making her first appearance here on the BOH pod, she is an actress and model who you might know as Chloe Brennan from the Channel 10 flagship Neighbours. Maybe you've seen her on the covers of magazines like Elle, InStyle, Harper's with 17. It is a huge Bachelor of Hearts. Hello to the Rose of Ramsey Street, the dramatic arts Don Dada, the couture conquistador and television visionary of the, from the fucking front lines of fashion. April Rose Pengilly is here. Hi, April. Hello. Thank you so much for having me and for that glorious intro. <laughs> I almost got through it. <laughs> if you have Rose in your name, there is no way you're getting out of it on this That's show. That's true. <laughs> um, April, let's start here. Your character and Tim Robards' character are actually <laughs> factually married on Neighbours, which means that you have the rare distinction of being the only person ever to appear on this show who has been in a relationship with The Bachelor. The interesting thing about that... (laughs) That is actually true. And we've had (laughs) people from The Bachelor on this show. Because I'm like, Alicia wasn't. Obviously, Glenn wasn't. That was more of a paradise thing. Uh, Vanessa Sunshine, I don't think you could say. Nope, never so much as lock lips with The Bachelor. Janie, obviously. Oh, Janie, yeah, that's true. There was that brief fling that you had... But that was with Georgia Love, and that doesn't really count. Oh, yeah. Well, no, I was just about to say, the interesting thing is that I uh, have spent a lot of time in close proximity to Tim. I'm going to share my screen for oh my you God. so that you can see what's going on here. Is oh this God. true? I didn't know what? that. Look oh. at this. Can you see what this is? <laughs> uh, it is a picture of you in your car, and you're taking a selfie through the window, and we can see Tim in his car or in a cab, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Outside. <laughs> so 
So obviously you guys are the best of friends. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. Like, um, you can see how much fun he's having sitting with mm-hmm. the taxi driver. Yeah. That is completely coincidentally adjacent to my vehicle. Is this <laughs> what it is like to feel that romance with The Bachelor? Uh, you know, I think you've really just captured it right there in that picture. <laughs> <laughs> the charisma's um, jumping off the screen. <laughs> that shot. Yeah. So he was originally brought on the show um, for a little six-week stint. Um, and then that fin- – so we had a romance on the show and then he left. And then they put me together with Jodie Gordon on the show because my character is bisexual. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they asked him to come back for six months – but in between that happening, the storyline with Jody and myself aired and just went crazy. All the fans loved it. They loved mm. us together. So then it was this thing of like, they were like, oh no, Tim's coming back. And so they shoved her and I together again for a little bit. And then, <laughs> and then our romance <laughs> was like accelerated and we just like got married really fast and all this stuff. Um, and now what's on TV is he's just cheated on me and it's the breakdown of our marriage. Oh, no. so, right. Tim. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so when he first came on the show, they just changed our rating from G to PG. I yeah, think right. That's the way it goes. So they were like, oh, now we can steam it up. So we had these really full on make out scenes. Like, and it's, <laughs> that stuff's always so awkward. But he's never really acted before. He'd done classes and things, but no, yeah. no actual, um, like, not a show or a movie or anything. So he'd never had to do on screen kissing. And when we filmed all that, he'd literally just got married to, to Anna, Anna yeah, yeah. yeah a few weeks before and I was like I feel so bad like you've just <laughs> got married and now I'm like having to do this and oh yeah how hard is it to detach yourself in in those situations where you're like I'm here I'm April and I'm about to um have an on-screen kiss with this man who is off the show the bachelor but here our characters are together that what's the maths that you do in your head to make that feel all right it's always very weird. Uh, yeah, I kind of, I think everyone has different techniques, but I kind of think about like my real life partner and sort of get through things that way. Yeah. Um, but it's always so awkward. It's actually a bit less awkward doing the stuff like when Jody and I had our romance because we're both straight women and we know it's like just for the job. But when it's sure. like, when it's like, Tim and I, and we're both straight. It's always like you don't want the other person to think you're actually attracted to them yeah. or like yeah. overstep or it's just always this weird, awkward thing. Yeah. <laughs> Which is yeah. so weird because like I feel like you watch those shows and you're like, keep it professional, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, we know that life and love on Ramsey Street can be really complex. I'm wondering, you know, did your character have to wield off any advances from Susan Kennedy? <laughs> Um, and also, I I just I do want to confirm that you're not being currently haunted by the very spooky ghost of Dee Bliss. No, I'm not. I don't think Dee is dead. That we had a whole thing this year where Dee came back, and then someone else who looks exactly like her came back, and Madeline oh. West was playing both roles. And honestly, all of us, even working there, were really confused about it all and how it all works. So please don't ask me to explain any further. But yeah, there's a there's you write a, the a, show, right? Yeah. There's a twin sister situation that I'm not 100% clear on. Are you open then to playing your own twin on the show as well? Well, I don't know if you get paid more because you're playing Mm. two roles. So Mm. maybe. (laughs) Double up. Look, you got to look for those secondary income streams in the year 2020. And I feel like that's a good one. 
It could exactly. be a good way around like COVID restrictions and stuff too, because I've heard that obviously like you're shooting in a somewhat different environment at the moment than you were probably six months ago. Um, maybe it's it's possible for you to have multiple Aprils in a scene and you could just fill out a crowd. Yeah, no. maybe that would be a little bit easier. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it is all a bit crazy now. Like I'm so grateful to still be working, obviously so many people mm. aren't, but sure. down here it's like pretty grim. We can't go further than five kilometers from home. Masks are mandatory. We can only go outside two hours a day. Mm. Um, yeah, it's pretty crazy and work-wise. Um, so we have on our studio lot we have like all the outdoor sets and then the inside studio sets like all the interiors of the houses and harold's cafe and everything um so before we were always like running between the two um location and studio sets and then with covid they divided us all into two so half the cast are always on location Mm. half the cast always on studio and the building is like split down the middle we do do some crossing over a couple of days a week now and we're tested. We're all tested once a week, which is yeah. very yucky. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah God. But it's so weird. So like half the cast, I barely ever see now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, like half the makeup artists and it's, uh, yeah, right, it's all yeah. very strange. And, and all these rules about like, we can't pass a prop to someone else in the scene. So if you wow. want to hand a bag, like one person has to hold the top and then the other character has to grab the bottom of it and all <laughs> yeah, these things. Right. And, and like my character on the show has just suffered um, a miscarriage and all this oh. really traumatic, really traumatic storylines. And like, I'll be crying and no one comforts me. No one can help yeah. me or anything. <laughs> it's like, so it probably looks a little strange, but I think, I think we're managing to, to still make the content people know and love. <laughs> are you managing personally? How are you, how are you dealing yeah, it's, I'm a bit of a homebody anyway, and the work schedule is so grueling that even before there wasn't a lot of time and we didn't have a lot of energy to do much outside of work. And I'm a yeah. Sydney girl. Like, I came down here for the job, and every break we would have, I would go home to Sydney um, and most weekends as well. Uh, so I don't actually know a lot of people down here apart from the people I work with. And normally I would be going back and forth to home and haven't been able to because the border is closed now. Yeah. yeah. So So really all I do is like work and then <laughs> grocery shop and do my laundry and exercise. <laughs> That's all we can really do. <laughs> and watch The Bachelor. Yeah, and watch yeah. The Bachelor. I mean, course. this is the other thing. Like, I know that you spent a lot of time in this lockdown, like going back and uh, watching old episodes and listening to episodes of this pod. Well, it's nice to have, you know, that little shining beacon of hope each week. That mm, is The yeah. Bachelor. And I am taking it as a personal blow. The Bachelor in Paradise has been cancelled now right. the next yeah. season i'm so upset it's Me like too. these yeah, are like definitely. the auditions for that show and then like that's the <laughs> right. best bachelor in paradise it's devastating more and more as these episodes happen i'm just like i don't think these people care about like there's a couple of people on the show i'm having to now open up the list of people's names but yeah. like adrian <laughs> uh doesn't seem is he to be... steampunk yes boy? yeah who yeah. <laughs> was like just barely checked into this experience yeah. at all and it really seems like you know he's like oh i just want to hang out with the boys or whatever it's like that's the exact thing you say yeah. when you're walking into paradise right yeah it's that's all very weird i don't know if he's trying to like play it cool or mm. <laughs> i don't know yeah. what he's thinking with that but anyway i'm sure we'll get i'm not it. like <laughs> mega disappointed that we won't get to see his arc on paradise until next year yeah <laughs> it is a shame that yeah that, that that's going to be unfulfilled for a little while yeah. yeah so i think what's happening is that like because of the pandemic and because of the contracts that the show has with fiji there's no real reason that they can pursue a traditional 
paradise season in the next 12 months because everything is so uncertain about how the world's going to look and what's going on, which means that they can't renew it. And I think that the other part of that is somewhat of the, the filming schedule of this show and the format with two bachelorettes probably means that, you know, we lost half the cast in four episodes of the first right. bachelor season this year. And then we lost so many of them already. We're down to, you know, like 10 from 20 mm. through these episodes, these four episodes. And it's sort of like these these people kind of fill out the bulk of the Paradise cast. Yeah. And because of the rush production schedule, I just don't know that we've been given the opportunity to really get to know them, to have the narrative storytelling that is necessary for investment in these characters as well. Mm. And so I can see why it might be like on rest for a year. And I yeah. hope that it is. One of the like press release things that came out this week mentioned that it was not returning due to the poor ratings of the most recent season. They... Do they mean the poor ratings of the recent Paradise season or the recent yeah. Bachelor? What? Yeah, which I think like the, you know they spent months and months not admitting that they were going to air it, and it was kind of up in the air about when it would come on. Uh-huh. And then they did the usual thing, which is like putting four episodes on a week or whatever, and like it was all over within the space of a month. Yeah, they just like fanged through it yeah, yeah. <laughs> and same with lucky like it's been a real schmozzle this year and i yeah. understand with covid because we've had like similar of <laughs> issues I bet. but yeah it's just been very weird and like how it wasn't meant to be ellie and becky right it was meant to be shana burgess right yeah so this yeah. was obviously a little bit thrown together and that's the yeah. thing, like, you can't really blame them for trying to do the best that they can with all of the things that have been thrown at them yeah but it just seems like such a big call to make to be like well because of that you know, I don't, I don't necessarily believe that it is a ratings thing. I think it's probably more what you had to say, Max. Mm. Just like they don't have the characters to play with and they don't have uh, a place to do it. Or, you know, it, it would just be more complicated than I think they, they are willing to put the time into. For sure. And I reckon we can we can surmise that it got some way over the line. We know that Chelsea McLeod had rented out her house for a period of time between October and December, oh, yeah. suggesting that she might be uh, on the way to paradise. But some conversations the world clearly changed. happened. But yeah. yeah, it's been a real churn and burn format for paradise, and I want this show to succeed because, in my opinion, it's it's the funnest one. Definitely. But I guess my main takeaway from this season of The Bachelorette is that maybe we've bitten off a little bit more that we can chew with having Ellie and Becky, two bachelorettes, not leaving enough room for us to get to know them or the characters very well. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that is what is creating that feeling. I don't know. I feel a little bit of a lack of fulfillment from everyone on the show this season, but I'm enjoying, I thought episode four was the best episode of the show so far. Yeah. 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 It is I feel like we approached this podcast really strangely when we didn't enjoy the episodes that much cuz like it's kind of our job to be interested in it and to like make an episode of a podcast that's still fun to listen to. Very excited to have you on the show April and then we're just <laughs> both kind of like, yeah, you know, it was fine. They did the stuff they normally do. Yeah. <laughs> Before we get too much further, April, where can we find you on social media? How can we engage with you? How can we watch the TV show Neighbors? Uh, you can watch Neighbours uh, 6.30pm on Channel 10 Peach, um, formerly known as Channel 11, now called 10 Peach mm-hmm. for some reason. Reasons unknown. And, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and on Instagram at April Rose Pengilly. 
Uh, I'm on Twitter at, at April R. Pangili because they won't let me fit my whole name. Rude, but I don't I, really do much on there. I know rude. that feeling. Yeah. So, oh, so Instagram is a good one at April Rose Pangili. P E N G I L L Y. Excellent. Maybe now is the right time to begin our recap of The Bachelorette Australia Season 6, Episode 3. And Ellie has taken Handsome Fraser on a Fear of Heights date in the scenic Blue Mountains. Xavi, you remember the classic suspended in midair Fear of Heights date? Do you mean, <laughs> you say that as if there was only one. I feel like this is, this is like written into the, the stone tablet that's handed down at the start of every season. Yeah, we did it most recently on Lockie's season, but we've also done it on the Honey Badger season, Matt's season with British Simone, Sophie Monk's season with Jared, Sam Wood's season, Ali's season with Charlie, <gasps> Richie's season, you get the idea. <laughs> I think they may have even done it at the Blue Mountains before, although don't quote me, I can't remember exactly when. But this time, a twist. We're suspended in stunning midair over a scenic canyon <laughs> inside a gorgeous unwinding cable car. Mm-hmm. Did either of you listen to the band Amberlin growing up? It was like peak emo hours. No. no. They have a song that was really like OC popular that was called Unwinding Cable Car. And mm. so watching this open car and I was just sitting there being like, <laughs> this is the correlation. And he's got oh, like, that sounds familiar. Beautiful high voice. <laughs> the whole thing. Um, it's the Amberlin date. Um, because the shots are quite beautiful and they're seated on reinforced metal question mark is that what this is this sort of like lowered down it's like a picnic on a swing yeah (laughs) it seems so flimsy it reminded me of the trailer in jurassic park 2 lost world yes when it goes (laughs) (laughs) oh it was horrible i hate these dates i would hate to go on them they're like they're so stressful and it's like on top of the lack of intimacy of them having a producer and camera crew and everything. There's mm. also always like at least one very awkward camera shy expert, like safety person yes, there right. who's like, hey, how's it going? And like <laughs> it's just awkwardly standing near them while they're on this date. Right. Oh. And they're always called like Mark or something. Yeah. Off to the side. Yeah. With the like and you can see it, you spot the fluoro and the hat from a mile away. Have you guys seen those? I think it's like a, maybe it's on TikTok or something. There's like a series of viral videos from this account, which is owned by or run by someone who organizes bungee jumps. And so it's just video after video of like, you know, young adventurous people chickening out at the top of the jump and just being like, <laughs> oh, I don't want to do it. You have to push me. And then being like, just dead inside, just being like, I'm sorry, the, we can't push you. We're not allowed to push you. You're going to have to jump of your own free will. And they're like, no, I won't do it. It's just like 45 seconds of them shitting themselves in terror. It's very oh. good. So good. <laughs> and shout out to the, the people who make our industries run. You know, these are the, the unsung heroes of the, the essential franchise. Yeah. <laughs> But I'm sure you have them on set at Neighbours as well, where you're like, my my favourite example of, of someone doing this is uh, being backstage at Splendour in the Grass a few years ago to do some radio stuff and standing side of stage to watch the rapper Illy perform a set. Mm-hmm. He had a bunch of special guests come up and side of stage, I was standing there with this sound tech who was just making a sandwich. <laughs> he was just using the rider and he had his like tube of like, you know, how you can get av- avocado in a tube from Woolworths. Oh, yeah. And he's like squeezing Korea. avo and slapping down the ham <laughs> on the one slice of white bread. And I was like, this is what it's like. This is what it's about. Was this a sandwich for Illy, do you reckon? 
No, it was like for him. Ellie's it was very much him. <laughs> I did think the funny thing about this date is it's clearly designed to be like this big adrenaline heights date, right? Like, and everything about it screams terror to me. But mm. I just thought Fraser and even Ellie were just so chill about it. Oh like, yeah, they That's really. True. There was no element because, like, you think back to like I, I think it was was it Sophie Monk and. Um, Jared, who yeah. like Sophie was absolutely losing it, and Jared kind of had to comfort her and be protective and all that sort of stuff. I think that's more what I'm used to of this kind of date. But like yeah. Fraser, pr- like they they pop some prosecco and they just sit there calmly and enjoy the view. And Fraser says, "I'm very content," and it's like it's not having any impact on you at all. Well, then they drop them down on the little swingy seat thing, right? Mm. Yeah, on the and they're like, seat. oh, maybe we should order some Uber Eats to the chair or whatever. I'm oh like, why God. are you here? <laughs> you should have met someone who is afraid of heights. Yeah, yeah true. And what we learn about Ellie in, in this scene is that she loves that Fraser is a blokey bloke, which, if you ask me, is a jokey joke. Uh, and <laughs> Fraser probably says some like gravelly platitudes about how Ellie is like a fully top chick or something. I wasn't paying attention. Couldn't tell you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I knew that. <laughs> There's next to no narrative exposition, but... The atmosphere is clearly conducive to romance. And to the show's credit, they actually do, unlike some of these other Fear of Heights dates, carve out a little time for them to talk, even though it is, like, suspended in midair. And we get a a kiss on the lips while we're winched inches from being lynched. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's true, actually. Now that I think about it, like, so often these dates, because they're so full of actual terror you kind of just get the tension and release and then you get everyone saying, hooray, we did it. And then that's kind of how it ends. Yeah. Whereas this at least has a little moment of quiet and intimacy, which is what the show's about. Contentedness. Mm, exactly. So Fraser says, uh, I want a deep love and that sort of thing. Like, write my wedding vows, please. <laughs> <laughs> want a deep love and shit. <laughs> I want a deep Roy, which is the name of the guy who played the Oompa Loompas in the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory oh, reboot. Oh, <laughs> you know no. that. It's a good reboot. Um, <laughs> yeah, in sickness and in health and that sort of thing, for richer and poorer, fucking you get it. <laughs> uh, we're getting the too good to be true edit for Fraser, which usually is something that The Bachelorette says to clue us into the fact that this person will make it all the way to the end. Yeah. April, can you see it? Yeah, I get winner vibes from him for sure. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I agree. And so Ellie responds to Fraser by saying, I don't want to be in something where I don't see a future with that. Am I... I <laughs> I'm just struggling to feel very much. She says, I guess I'm drawn to you, and that doesn't happen very often. And Fraser says, likewise, I feel the same way. April. We talked about getting into the moment to express love. <laughs> You've said some romantic dialogue on, on television. <laughs> How do you do it? How do we do this effectively? Well, ours is written a little better than, I don't know if it's scripted <laughs> for them or... <laughs> I guess but there I... is a benefit to having writers, which yeah. they probably don't. Yeah. I just find all these dates so weird. Like, I don't know if they're not allowed to show them kind of connecting about you know, on common interests or yeah, that kind of thing. Right. All they ever seem to talk about is like how they're starting to fall for each other. And we don't really see any evidence of like how or why. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's the granular stuff. That part is not that interesting, but in actual mm. fact, like that's the stuff that you can kind of get your hooks into and be like, yeah. oh yeah, I can imagine them bonding over 
whatever it is. And I yeah. think you see more of that kind of thing on Bachelor in Paradise. Totally. True. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I mean, the list of requirements for The Bachelor even is different, where he's like, I want a girl who loves the outdoors. And it's like, cool, we at least know this about your personality. Mm. And if you're going to bond over something, it's probably going to be the outdoors. And we've not been really given that, like, understanding or appreciation of who Ellie and Becky are enough. And maybe it is just from that somewhat gendered place of, like, women are looking for, like, you know, the show approaches it from the perspective that women are looking for a man who is stable and can commit and will not just continue doing the man things that many men would do or whatever but we don't actually come to know that much about what she would be looking for or what she's interested in or anything like that that's interesting i i think i agree and i wonder if it looks like this for the two of them where it's like we need you to talk about what the future looks like Mm. because that seems to be as you say april pretty much the only conversation that we have how we're falling for each other and what the future is going to be but the common interest stuff exactly as you've said is is super buried and we see more of that at the group date which begins with some extremely normal scene setting this is exactly the kind of shit that i want to know about right (laughs) ellie's playing fur elise on a grand piano Mm -hmm. which is really impressive I it also, was. I was very impressed. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it is funny that for Elise is shorthand for, like, I know how to play piano. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but also, it had me wondering, is Ellie short for Elise? Oh. Which is not something I know. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been good. And then also, I, I, didn't, I literally didn't catch this until my third watch of this episode. We cut from Ellie playing for Elise on the grand piano while Becky is kind of just standing there with her arms behind her back, like, mm-hmm. watching respectfully. And then she pulls out a triangle, and mm-hmm. she, like, dings the triangle right into the camera. For some reason, it didn't even occur to me until I rewatched the episode a second time. One of the guys says it. He's like, yeah, so Becky's just standing there, and we're wondering why, and then she pulls out the triangle. <laughs> I don't know if right. I just wasn't paying attention or something. <laughs> it was the best bit. He was like, no, that happened. Look <laughs> That's a me problem, I guess. <laughs> if it weren't clear enough to you, which of these two sisters that production was insistent on featuring more mm. prominently during this show? Right. Let this be a metaphor. Yeah. And apparently their parents, they paid for all these lessons for Ellie right. and then right. didn't bother <laughs> giving Becky a musical skill. <laughs> yeah. What was Becky's lesson? <laughs> Ding in the triangle one time. <laughs> I had a, um, a, a band leader... What do you call them? A conductor when I was in um, early high school who was insistent that nobody, everyone thought that the triangle was an easy instrument that, you know, it was anyone could just pick it up and play it. But to be able to play it with a refined touch and to, you know, elegantly master it would take years of training. So shout out to Rochelle Beeson. (laughs) (laughs) We're here at the Bachelor talent show. Xavier. Yeah, this is one of the best things ever. The, the, the Bachelorette talent show where there are eight props on stage which have eight talents corresponding to them and the men have to, like, scramble up on stage to get the one that they want first. It's, like, the weirdest way that they could have possibly organised this date, right? Instead of them being like, oh, that's great, I'm really good at playing the saxophone and I happen to have my saxophone here. They're like, no, you have to do <laughs> one of these things. <laughs> one of these prescribed talents. Right, and so to commemorate that... 
I thought it would be fun for us to have our own little talent show here on okay. the Bachelor of Hearts podcast. With me, of course, being the host, mm-hmm. um, which means I've picked out some talents for you guys, uh, April Max, to do. Um, mm-hmm. And whenever you're ready, I've selected these talents for you. One of them is ventriloquism, mm-hmm. and the other one is the hardest, sorry, the 15 hardest SAT math questions from prepscholar.com. Oh, I would love to take the math questions. Yeah, right, well, right. Con- Congratulations. I don't have my dummy here. <laughs> <laughs> wow, April, you've started already. I, I couldn't see your mouth move at all. What an incredible oh ventriloquist. My God, I feel like I'm in trouble here. She seems to be really good at this. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, I mean, you have a lot of experience in performing, so if you'd like to just, uh, if, if you'd like to, I don't have a script for you or anything, but um, run us down. Uh, take, take us through your uh, ventriloquism skill. Oh, all right. Oh, wait, I just found my dummy. Oh, my gosh, here it is. Wow. Hey, hey guys, how are you doing? I love to watch The Bachelors. <laughs> She's so good at... Uh, this is, Thank this you. Is, that's incredible. That's truly incredible. I don't have yeah. the sound effects board right now, but I will be putting in the applause, in the appropriate Oh, oh yeah. thank you. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> um, fascinating. Thank you both. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, look, I'm, I'm ready to take the test. Okay, excellent, Max, yeah. Um... So you were a little too slow getting to the uh, the skills. So uh, if three x minus y equals twelve, what is the value of eight uh, to the power of x over two to the power of y? Now this is multiple choice. So uh, a is two to the power of twelve. B, of course, is four to the power of four. C is eight to the power of two, and D would be the value cannot be determined from the information given. This is actually so, making me feel physically ill. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it so much. <laughs> You're just okay, lucky so you got up here quickly enough. Yeah. <laughs> let me. <laughs> do you, okay, let me let me try and work this out. Okay, I got it. So the numerator and the denominator are expressed with the same base, since two and eight are both powers of two. So substituting two cubed for eight as the numerator of eight x over two y gives two cubed to the power of x over. 2y, which can be rewritten, 2 cubed x over 2 to the power of y, since the numerator and denominator of have a common base, this expression can be written as 2 to the power of 3 cubed, no, <laughs> 2 to the power of 3x minus y. In the question, it states that 3x minus y equals 12. So 1 can substitute 12 for the exponent 3x minus y, which means that 8x over 2y equals 2 to the power of 12. And, Xavi, I'd like the question again, please. <laughs> well, <laughs> I can't believe what's going on right now. If 3x minus y equals 12, what is the value of 8 to the power of x over 2 to the power of y? Oh, so the answer is A, 2 to the power of 12. He's right! <laughs> Is he actually? Oh my god! That's actually true. I would have said D. The limit does not exist, or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. Well, D was like the value can't be determined from the information given, which is my yeah. stock answer for any maths yeah. question. <laughs> uh, Xavier, you did say the the um, website was prepscholar.com, right? That's right. Yep. Okay. Cool. And um, I should not have said the name of the website, <laughs> evidently. Because now I scroll down and I see that literally word for word what you just said is on there. <laughs> well, congratulations to you both. Um, I don't know how to determine a winner, so I guess you both win. Well done. 
Thank you so you much. You mean the three of us. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Max had a dummy do the answer for him. Yeah, yeah. Mine was wrapped in toilet paper. It was a mummy dummy. Oh, <laughs> spooky. So what we love about these uh, performing dates is the way that we see all of the blokes just embrace performing arts, you know? Stand up in front of each other as men and appreciate the things that make us different. <laughs> Except, no, not really. We're not here to do any of that. We're here to heckle each other for not being manly enough. I like that Harry brags that he's writing an original song for the women, which we get to see in just a moment. And I have a small clip of I might <laughs> oh, just... Oh, great. Because this is all we get to eventually see or hear from his original song. Ellie, Ellie, you sexy star. How did Harry get this far? <laughs> seems to be like a Weird Al-style version of Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, as far as I can tell. It was not great. It was not the best song I've heard on this show. It was no Georgia Love featuring Jake's rap. Yeah, true. Also, he's like, he's talking about how he's going to be playing the guitar upside down or whatever. He gets given the guitar prop, which I'm sure one of those other men would be pretty happy to have. And he barely touches it. He kind of just like flicks his hand at it and then like cracks up laughing that he's doing it. Yeah, it was all, yeah, it's very weird. Not good stuff from Harry. It's like, it's like my big masculinity pet peeve where like somehow it's not okay for you to try or to be something different. Right. Um, And the way that it plays out is that the boys are pretty much there. They even bring in the rest of the house to heckle them. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Italy Rudy is the host and MC. He stands up when they ask for uh, someone to nominate themselves, and he says, ladies and gentlemen. Is he that- is great. Like, he I crushes he it in this role, too. <laughs> he, he kind of does a bit of a roast of James where he says, like, uh, James is the magician, uh, magician, but so far the only thing he made disappear is fat from his body. And I'm like, that's fine. <laughs> like nobody wrote that for him, you know. Pretty like he's thinking Rudy. on his feet. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this is the other time where we start to miss Osha pretty badly because sure. the onus now falls to Becky to set the stakes. She says we will both pick a guy for some one-on-one time afterwards. And props to her and to the show for trying. But I'm missing that. I'm missing the panache. Yeah. You know, so all the men then are allocated these talents for the show. We learn that the bald man Sam will be the ventriloquist, not to the level of April Rose Pangilly can attest. <laughs> he makes the unbelievable choice to do a Borat voice for the dummy. <laughs> I thought he was pretty good. He was pretty funny. It's not bad. I thought so I too. Maybe the actual ventriloquist skill, which is not a word I'll ever learn how to pronounce, <laughs> was lacking a little bit, but he, he really makes up for it with a lot of like charisma and like on-the-spot thinking. Yeah, I would have thought, though, that he would have taken the impressionist, because his impression of Ryan the Aussie Dog guy, just spot on. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And so committed to it. Oh, yeah. he's so, <laughs> so good. Yeah, some people who show up in costume get changed out of it after the first night, but he's still going strong. <laughs> I love this guy. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, so next we learn that tattooed ear spacer James will be performing magic and that redhead narrator Andrew will be performing the role of falling over, getting no further screen time and then getting sent home. <laughs> I have no idea who you're talking about, so that checks out. <laughs> I can't believe this worked so well for Jennifer Lawrence, but yeah, it didn't work at all for whatever this man's name is. <laughs> 
We're also building Adrian's narrative here. He's the guy who gave Becky the heart-shaped jewelry in the last episode and said that it was in fact heart-shaped because a heart represents love. Oh, yeah, is yeah, that yeah. why? Oh, I'm glad he explained that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We also get a couple of cocky confessionals from him about how much he thinks Becky likes him and how probably also he's in with a shot at being cast in an off-Broadway all-steampunk production of Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter the Musical, and good for him. I'm just imagining the stovepipe hat with the goggles <laughs> like he had on that one. Is it one pair, or do you benefit from the extra height of the hat and just put, like, eight pairs of goggles on there? True, why not? <laughs> Nothing wrong with Adrian, I don't think. He and Becky sit down for a chat, and he tells Becky, I don't think... We should talk too much about what happens afterwards. Let's see what happens. I'm here to have fun. I love hanging out with the boys. I'm having so much fun here. And I'm just I'm just wondering, did I leave a giant red flag lying around somewhere? Has anyone seen that? Uh, I don't know if I've seen any red flags so far in this episode. No, mm. not at all. So strange. And for her part, Becky is like, now, something's, something's not, not feeling too good about this. Mm-hmm. He's That's like, where I'm, we here leave have, I'm here to have fun. I kind of love hanging out with the boys. It's like he's begging to get sent home. I can't believe this would come out of someone's mouth on this show. It's so he, funny. He says it again later. I don't know if it was in this chat or later on, but he's like, he's like, oh, just the boys are so great. Like, oh, you, you've got some really great guys there to hang out with. <laughs> <laughs> he really does want to be sent home. Yeah, he's trying to yeah. sell the other guys. <laughs> So Rudy is in a sparkly vest and jeans as the MC for this evening. Here's what happens. James does magic. Aggie spins plates. Andrew falls over. Harry sings the very bad (laughs) song. Adrian is supposed to do the juggling, but he doesn't even try. And then surprisingly, this is what we were saying. Sam kind of has this natural aptitude for ventriloquism, which... That's where I left my red flag. There it is. <laughs> the man who's just like suspiciously kind of already good at ventriloquism. Talking out both sides of his mouth. Yes. Oh, that's true. So Joey is last. He is the interpretive dancer. And how we laugh, Savy, because uh, this isn't something that men do. Right. So, yeah, it's like he kind of, I mean, I don't think he is taking it especially seriously. I think what he is doing is kind of prancing around a little bit. And I think he's playing into the kind of like, wouldn't it be funny if a man did this type of (laughs) angle? Um, But everybody laughs, including the bachelorettes. And um, yeah, it just really bothers me. A, because everybody's laughing. B, it also bothers me. And this is a pretty small like complaint. But when straight men think any kind of dancing is interpretive dancing, (laughs) like... I don't know why, but for some reason, I think any, like any anything that any dancing that takes you beyond like a club is like interpretive dance and therefore laughable. And I think it stems from this like fear that we're talking about of like self-expression and being in touch with oneself and like creativity and you know emotionality and that sort of stuff. And I'm just like, let the man actually kind of work something out here. He's been cooped up in a weird <laughs> environment for a few weeks, and if the streamer like you know presents an opportunity then let him take it and don't laugh at him yeah i think what he's actually doing as well like what the streamers are for is rhythmic gymnastics right, right exactly. <laughs> that's totally true yeah. yeah um what do we make of of joey through four episodes 
I mean, he's the blueprint of a normal, like, a, just an average generic man, right? Don't you think? Sure. I think that I I seem to like him. I don't have a ton of investment in him, but of all of the men who are there, he certainly seems like an acceptable one. Is that fair to say? Yeah, he's affable. I think that, that's... Sorry. Oh, no, I, I have so little to say about Joe, please. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I think it's very, like, obvious he's not the typical, like... Like, you heard from your friend, uh, Megan, that mm. he was asked in by Becky, essentially. Mm. Um, mm. They said, is there anyone you want or from your past that you'd like to have on the show? And then he got the call that way. And he does seem, like, a bit different to the other contestants. I mm. don't know, because of that. He's not, like, someone yeah. who applied yeah. of his own accord. I think it's definitely... The interesting thing about him is that he already has uh, a level of comfort and a level of companionship. And to a certain degree, it feels like he and Ellie are kind of it's them against the world or it's them, you know, together in this weird situation with all these other people. Uh -huh. Yeah. Like, he is able to drive a wedge between the two of them who have that history and the rest of the experience. But so it doesn't, for me, it doesn't necessarily lead to, like, I don't think it pays off as much as it, I think it would were it a more interesting person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Ellie is... The person who picks Joey for some alone time. He does get picked. Becky picks Sam the ventriloquist. And we hear tattooed ear spaces, James saying confessional, Joe, you had your chance on the outside. Let the rest of us have a go. Like he is nine years old and Ellie is a fucking game boy. Mm. Sam's time with Becky is first. The closest that we get to learning anything about anyone is when Becky says to Sam, there's just something about you. <laughs> date over. <laughs> Can we talk about the difference between these two date setups as well? Yes! For sure, please. <laughs> what you have is like Joe and Ellie, they're on this gorgeous couch. It's surrounded with like dozens of candles. They look like they're real candles, not so like little fake candles. LED ones. Yeah. Beautiful setting. <laughs> and then you have Sam and Becky who are just perched on the edge of like a hard equipment case, like sitting <laughs> backstage <laughs> with a couple of like stage lights visible in the shot. It's like the least effort. Like, you and I, Max, have backstage at gigs been in more romantic green rooms. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Look, I've made sandwiches on nicer <laughs> road cases than that. Totally. Are they really having this much trouble, like, finding locations for two bachelorettes? I don't like, know. Did they set this date up before they realized that there would be two of them? And then they were like, fuck, what, what else can two people fit on? You know, Second chair, let's yeah, go. Maybe. At least, <laughs> why, like, why not even just reuse the one couch and shoot the dates at different times? Would mm. that be so like difficult? You could apply a different filter, to, like color filter to the lighting or whatever, and you'd never notice it was the same room. <laughs> yeah, it's very odd, and it just really like <laughs> refreshes the whole thing of Ellie clearly being the right, focus right. and Becky is like this art so here. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because um, this would also be a good opportunity if they, knowing there were two date locations, one good and one bad, they could maybe shuffle <laughs> it up and like give Becky a somewhat nicer time to balance things out a bit. But it's just clearly like Becky's an afterthought. It's crazy. It sucks too because yeah. like, I think Becky's interesting and I want to know more about her. I've seen a lot of Ellie and I, I mean, it's the reason that she is there, but I'm also interested in getting to know 
the new person. Even the biggest skeptic of this season of the show, I think, would be no less interested in Becky than in Ellie. Hundred percent. Yeah. You know. So we do move to Ellie now, and Joey tells Ellie that she's a keeper and one in a million, despite literally previously electing not to pursue a relationship with her on the outside, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, I wonder what changed. Mm. Mm. Could it be that they're on TV? Well, yeah. I mean, but that's the thing. Like, benefit of the doubt, like, maybe this is making him look at it a different way or whatever. But you would have to think that something has happened in their personal lives or in his personal life that has made him reconsider this, right? Yeah, yeah, 100%. I wonder if there's a little bit of growth happening here for Joey... And I'd love to. I don't think the show will allow us to get into it, but I'd love to know what's changed. Mm. Yeah. Joey also says that he has a tattoo on his calf that says you can't fight fate, which is pretty close to what my tattoo on my thigh says, Xavier, if you remember. Wait, don't you have a tattoo of Squirtle? Sure, but my other thigh. (laughs) No, I don't remember that one. It says can't fight the moonlight. Oh, that's right. Obviously, it's just like it's one part of the rhymes thigh piece that I have, which is um, existing in servitude and admiration of Leanne Rhymes, sure, Buster mm-hmm. Rhymes, and uh, Shonda Rhymes as well. Yeah, right. <laughs> the whole family. The yeah, the Holy Trinity. My um, my gray Gray's Anatomy. That's really smart. Mm. I thought. You I know what really... you should get also is the fourth rhymes. Um, g g rhymes. <laughs> Popular indie pop musician and Elon Musk partner. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yes. Very also, a quick aside because I went down too deep of a Wikipedia hole today. That song, Can't Fight the Moonlight, was the highest selling single in Australia in the year 2001. I had no idea. It's a good song. I'm pretty sure I am responsible for one of the <laughs> I, I may have had a hand in that <laughs> <Yeah>. too. <laughs> it's a hit. Mm. The other what thing... year was that Dancing in the Moonlight um, cover? Top Loader? That was oh. from yeah. 2000. Right, okay. So we were in a mood. Far out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the moon was hitting our eyes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other thing that I learned about that film is that Kevin Smith is an uncredited writer of Coyote Ugly. No. no. Yes. How crazy is that? Wow. I know. I wonder how much work he did on it. I don't know, but like script writing, it's, it's a whole thing. It's a whole sure. industry that I have zero experience with and I'm not going to continue. That does explain <laughs> why there's that scene where they all get on top of the bar and then they debate whether the Wookiees are from Kashyyyk <laughs> or whether they're from... <laughs> what is it? I don't know. <laughs> it's been a while since I engaged with the Kevin Smith property. Yeah, look, the romance between Tyra Banks and Silent Bob in that film... Mm. <laughs> <laughs> April, what's your stance on full idiom tattoos? Can't fight fate. How are you feeling? Look, I'm not big on tattoos generally, Uh each to their own, but Mm. not really my thing. I've never thought of anything that I could be sure I would like forever to have upon my person in such a way. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, the phrase is not great. I was not a fan of Lockie's tattoos. What was his (laughs) chest one again? Strength and honour. Oh, God. <laughs> it's so cringe. No, I'm not into it personally. But, yeah. you know, it's just so easy, choices. especially with, with Lockies. But it's just so easy when someone doesn't behave in that way, which inevitably, True. you know, in someone's <laughs> lifetime, they will do something that is not, you know, it, that doesn't line up with that idiom. 
It's right. so easy to call them out. It's like, look at your fucking thigh, mate. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and look, I will admit, there are times in my life where I, in fact, have fought the moonlight. Right. And you have not mm. been Squirtle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've had non, non-milk non situations. <laughs> Max has a tattoo of a carton of milk on his That's upper amazing. arm. That's mm. amazing. Have you since discovered your lactose intolerance? Uh, it's, you... <laughs> <laughs> it's on the way. <laughs> the other thing just about having a tattoo about fate, and I think this conversation revolves around, like, I think even Ellie says to the camera in a little in the moment, like, do you think it's fate? Like, do you think fate has this in store for us? When obviously, like, we know that it's not fate. Like, she requested for him to come onto the show, right? Yeah, I thought the same thing. I think it's interesting <laughs> that they're reframing this narrative of just, like, how did it happen? Who could say? <laughs> like, yeah. When, like, I don't think you have to be a particularly cynical viewer of this show to figure out that, like, a conversation was had. This didn't just happen by completely random chance. Yeah, yeah. And so next we see some tension with Adrian. He's lamenting how sad it is that the boys are all in competition with each other to win Ellie and Becky's hearts because there's a mad bromance going on in the house. And he also doubles down on saying that he doesn't want to talk about the future, not all this serious stuff. If that um, if that weren't enough, he also keeps making this noise. Hey! <laughs> To be fair, I think that is the, the first language of the Bachelorette Mansion. It's that and then English. Yeah. ESL. Yeah. <laughs> and like, who yeah, would have I... guessed that the man who turned up on night one looking like a clown would end up being presented by the show as a total clown? Can you believe yeah, it? True. And the guy who dresses up in like 1800s cosplay is the guy who doesn't want to talk about the future. Wear that stuff. He only no. wore it on night one, right? Yeah. Like, he he's will... like, here I am. This is my identity. Not. <laughs> I will, yeah, I will always think of him that way. But it's like there was never an explanation, and then he never did it again. So it's, I, yeah. I, it's completely inexplicable. Yeah, it's bizarre and not a choice that I would make. Although, I'm like, look. are we going to end up having him on the pot? Like, do we have to do that to find out what happened? Is there some kind of exit interview where he gets to talk about it? And do we have to conduct it? I think so. His steampunk past (laughs) revealed. (laughs) There's got to be some like message board or something that he's posted on that we can, you know, we can find his username and really tap into that. Yeah, we'll have to track down some intellectual property of Aiden's. Wait, what's his name? Adrian? Christ. Who could say? Mm. Anyway. Anyway, I don't know. If he's like trying to, you know, play it cool or seem less keen by being like, oh, I'm just here to hang mm. out, whatever, mm. man. Like, I don't know what the, the right. <laughs> what he's playing. Right. <laughs> but he's not picking up the signal that like that's not what they're looking for, which I think they're sending out really, really clearly. And Becky does that really well here. She's like, I'm moving on with my life. I want to settle down. And Adrian's like, Live in the moment, bro. Like, you don't need to be so serious all the time. Hey, like, let's just vibe it out on television. Just and he's just doing two shockers the whole scene, <laughs> just out of frame. Totally. <laughs> I just want to spotlight, before we jump into the rose ceremony, maybe mm. my favourite thing about this episode, um, which is a very short moment, but it's a conversation that we see between Ellie and Becky. 
And I think this is the advantage of having two bachelorettes. You yeah, know? I was glad they finally did that. Yeah, like, did yeah. Something and it, with it's the concept. pretty short lived, but it's it's such a highlight. We see Becky like raising her concerns about Adrian. You know, she says that she's after a serious relationship, and then Ellie tells her, you know, you've got to trust your gut, and they have a little high five, and it's like, you know, it's time to make a tough decision. Now, she doesn't, <laughs> but we'll get to that in a minute. That's right. It is time for the rose ceremony. Osha is green screened in once again, and it turns so out. So was he? Because it wasn't that obvious to me right. this time. I, I feel like I, he def- I'm very dumb at telling what is CGI <laughs> and what is not, despite working in this industry. But that one, I was like, he was went through the door, and it seemed right. very realistic to me. I have me. a lot I of questions tricked. about how they did this because, yeah. like, his eye lines worked out really perfectly. Which is like, if you go back and watch, you know, early two thousands movies or something, a lot of the time, even they still get that. Right and they've been doing it for a while or whatever and they have a big right. budget but like yeah he seems to be there like everything seems to be lining up yeah i was looking for like that little like green tint on the his yeah. hair or whatever like <laughs> yeah the mm. lighting seemed perfect yeah. like i don't know i was very tricked if you think he was green screen the only Max. thing that made me feel that way was that there was nothing at the end to be like right adrian you received yeah. a rose please take you, the like, time whatever. to say goodbye yeah, there was yeah. none of that yeah that's true but uh, there's a chance that they just edited that out. I don't. I mean, I don't know what my working theory is here. I just think if he was green screened in, like someone, I hope someone got a big like pay rise or something for, for doing <laughs> that because it was really well done. Yeah. Yeah, it is um, one of those things where like obviously you have to showcase the magnificent <laughs> cast of men with personalities such as Trent on the way out. We have to carve out room for that, and also Andrew who fell over. Mm. The tension mm. is whether or not Adrian is going to get a rose. And of course he does. It, I was quite surprised, actually, because I always have this moment when Osha or whoever it is, I guess, in future announces that, like, we're sending home 600 people tonight or whatever. You know, <laughs> when, it's, when it's quite a big number, I'm always like, oh, well, the tension's dissipated. Like, obviously, we have a few people who have committed some kind of batchy sin and they will sure. go home. And then also there'll be a couple of people I've never heard of before who will also get sent home. And so that that made it all the more surprising when, you know, the guy who very clearly shouldn't be there, the the narrative of this episode is all about how it will not work with him. Yeah. He still sticks around. It was very strange. Right. And the people who we got kind of like romantic investment in, remember Saj's entrance on the red carpet where he sat down with the women and told them stories from his past Really the, probably the best limo exit I've seen in years. Yeah, it was really incredible. And he is just cut from this point forward. Without a word. Really yeah. sad. And then the other one is um, Mr. Italy, Rudy, is out the door too. Yeah. Who we all agreed, like, did a terrific job, like, hosting in this episode. I thought I he was they should, too. They should just have kept him to be Osha for the rest of the season. <laughs> really? <Yeah. laughs> Maybe they will. Maybe he'll be back next week and he'll be like, there's a little twist. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but like, can... yeah, it doesn't seem connected with anything that he did this episode. And if anything, like they shouldn't have shown as much of him being charming and funny and a good host because it did make me think that he would stick around. Like in editing, they could have reduced the amount of screen time he got. And then we would have been like, oh yeah, the man who was wearing a sash saying Mr. Italy got sent home. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> In confessional, Ellie is like, we don't want to waste anyone's time. And obviously, they've sent Trent home at this point. So try and justify that to the rest of Australia is all I'm saying. <laughs> the whole season's a waste of time from this point out. Cut him. 
I just I checked his photo just before when you mentioned him and still rang no bells. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he got a word in. Good for him for wearing a mask in this environment and all that kind of stuff. Right. <laughs> yeah, do we think that Becky and Ellie are anti-maskers? <laughs> I suppose the other thing that maybe we should mention is that I think this is the rest of the people of colour from the cast, right? And I yeah. think... Like, that's not a good sign. You know, like, that is something that gradually happens over the course of many seasons of this show. Um, but it's pretty disheartening to see it happen so quickly on this one, especially, like, when there's, like, the lingering prospect of, of them in the last episode on the photo shoot talking about how they're, like, proud Aussies and stuff like that. Like, there's just a lot of, like, kind of yucky stuff floating around here, which I'm not super happy about. Mm, uh, look, we are always pushing for better representation on this show and i think that there is a certain amount that production can be responsible for and there is a certain amount that the narrative and the way that the the show plays out and who the bachelor or bachelorettes are that you can that you can attribute it to and i think that to the show's credit this season they cast a lot of people of color it was really cool to see mm. and they legitimized mm. them early in the episodes and if we're going to start seeing more of that fuck yeah and if mm. particularly paradise is something that can be reinstated in the future i'm excited to see the um the breadth and the scope of, of what this you know what this could play out as yeah i agree because i think you're right like we were kind of marveling at well not i mean not we weren't like astonished and gobsmacked <laughs> by it but like we're like this is pretty good like yeah from from the start and you know maybe becky and ellie didn't you know, weren't looking for that, or I, I have no idea. I don't want to put words in their mouth or anything, but like, this is all we have to go off. Yeah, um, we've got three or four clearly established front runners in for Becky, Pete, and Shannon. And Shannon's a, a Maori man, and for Ellie, it's it's Joey and fucking Fraser. Fraser? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, let me look that at the one. list here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's hard. Um. Maybe the thing that makes this stand out to me is the way that we begin the next episode, which is with this incredible shot. I think it's maybe the second shot in the sequence of this episode, which is Adam, Pascal, Harry, and Joe sitting together, perched on the edge of a couch. They're all wearing literally the exact same outfit. Yes, all the blue jeans. Yes. Like a row of the same jeans and the same dark sweater. Right. And like, I couldn't believe it. Up? They look yeah. similar enough as it is. I have yeah. to I have to believe that this was like somebody in the house noticed that they were all wearing the same thing and they were like, wouldn't this be funny? I bet no one will notice if we put yeah. them all together. <laughs> but it's just <laughs> staggering. I have not, a screenshot on our Twitter. It's really good stuff. Not eagle-eyed Xavier Rebetsky Noonan. I exactly. tell you what. Can't get one past me. <laughs> <laughs> so we are spending a bit of downtime in the mansion to begin The Bachelorette Australia Season 6, Episode 4. It's just blokes being blokes. You know, a bit of fun, eh? Oh, I yeah, love I love to see the boys. <laughs> My fiance Danny <laughs> said to me, it's like overhearing a conversation at the pub. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. 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 <laughs> For sure. The other thing that we're establishing really early on here is that after bombing out on the double date last week, and despite referring himself, Shannon, Becky, and Ellie as the double date combo... <laughs> Harry is missing his five-year-old son, Xavier, which becomes important later. Yeah, we will talk about my dad again. Yeah, he's missing you, which is very sweet. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I love my dad, Harry. 
<laughs> Becky gets a single date this episode, and she picks hot Adelaide Pete for some one-on-one time. The boys have named him Pistol Pete because they're not creative and guns are cool. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of cool, Pete has a major secret to reveal to Becky. Ooh. He uh, he hopes it doesn't scare her too much, but at this point, Becky has already stared Adrian in the face on several occasions as he waxed <laughs> on and on and on about how much he loves the boys. So I don't think that there's too much that's going to frighten her from right. here on in. <laughs> And they climb into this Mitsubishi four-wheel drive. Oh, it's a Mitsubishi. Which is a different, yeah, it's a different brand of car than the, than the one that was sponsoring the show on The Bachelor. Uh-huh. Which, like, I don't know what that, like, is it women are only allowed to drive Mitsubishis and men are only allowed to drive, what was it, Suzuki's or something? I don't know. But they start driving across the Harbour Bridge and then Becky reveals that they're going to climb the Harbour Bridge. So I guess they have to like chuck a Yui down at like Crow's Nest or something and then try and do the loop back Hey, that's the... my hood! <laughs> hey! <Crow's Nest. laughs> and the show hasn't done the Sydney Harbour Bridge since Sam Wood's season when yeah. Sam and Nina set a record for world's longest on-screen kiss which broke the previous record which incidentally was set on the US Bachelor in 2013. Okay, so mm. this is another yuck. repeat date, and you're I've, right. I yuck. just want to say I've watched both of those world's longest like kisses, which means oh. I've spent probably ten minutes of my life. Which you know, like that's a fraction. You know, that's a percentage that you could you could chart. I don't know. I just I'm confronting my mortality when I experience something like that. <laughs> so Becky says to camera, driving around with Pete was such a normal thing to do. <laughs> Oh, God, I missed that. Have you ever <laughs> driven around in Sydney? <laughs> it is entirely an abnormal thing to do. Like, it is the most high-pressure environment that you can be yeah. in in this city. It's like the honking and the beeping, and then, like, it's turning orange, but not that orange, and what do I do, and where do I go? I have so many... I'm an anxious driver, if you couldn't tell. The normal thing to do in Sydney is wait for a bus for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> and, look, I'm being a shit when I say that this is the Sam Wood date from 2017. Like, it's cool that Channel 10 leaned on the things that they knew would work for this season, and I think that they knew that they would work because they've done them before. Um, the also, production company... like, they're stuck in New South Wales, and yeah. there are just not that many things you can do. Like, tourism-y type things to do in the city of Sydney. Like, what... What else? What else are we? They, Here we they are at the marvelous opera bar. <laughs> right. They did the shark boat with someone, didn't they? Was that Sophie Monks? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah that's boat. right. <laughs> shark boat. <laughs> All right, over under on that coming back later in this season. Yeah. <laughs> Give it two episodes. Yeah. Um, yeah, but to this season's credit, we have factored in a twist. Here on top of the Harbour Bridge, there's a singer called Starly debuting her first single in her first ever performance. Savvy, I know you've done your research. Who is this? Yeah, so I found a press release. Um, I don't know if this is her first single because she is performing this, which is from her debut album, which came out, uh, I think, earlier this year, maybe even last year. Okay. Um, 
It's a 13-track debut album, um, and it, it features her breakout hit, Call On Me, which I don't know if that's the song that she performs here, but earned her over 1 billion streams worldwide. One gold billion? And platinum. Yeah, it's like Go, when girl. reading this press release, I was like, oh, I'm the idiot because I don't know yeah. Starly. A lot yeah, of the time, I hadn't heard of her, but Becky seemed genuinely like a bit starstruck. Yeah, and, like excited yeah. to meet her. So I was like, oh, I guess I'm just stupid. Right. Well, a <laughs> right. lot of the time, there is an artist on here that we don't really recognize, and maybe I mean, it, it goes one of two ways, right? Either it's someone who we'd never hear of ever again, or what happened, I think, in Richie's season was a very unknown artist at the time named Dua Lipa performed yeah. on the show in King's really? Cross. Yeah. yeah. Who is now like oh one of the biggest God. pop stars on earth? So maybe there's going to be huge things. That's the thing. I I'm always I always have the temptation to be like, who's this nobody? Like we don't know this person. But it's like actually, yeah. uh, Max and I don't don't know everything about everything. And like it could surprise us. Um, Starly might end up being uh, Dua Lipa level success. Um, this was an interesting performance, though. I think this was, like, one of the strangest things I've seen on this show for a little while. Yeah. yeah and all I could imagine was that it would have been incredibly windy up there. Right. Like, how <laughs> right. did you even hear her? <laughs> she had, like, a little microphone, like, zip-tied to her belt, like she was going to yeah. swipe into her office building with it. Um, <laughs> but she gets about two bars into it before they fade out her audio yeah. and just play, like, the very produced backing track, like, straight from her record. Like, the real version, yeah. 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 <laughs> Um, and also, like, as we know from these types of dates, there's almost never any actual backing music that's being played to the people there. So it makes for this super bizarre, like, tableau where Becky and Pete are, like, dancing as if they're in the club while clearly <laughs> no music is playing and someone is just kind of going, yeah, woo! Like, well, I wondered if she had, like, as part of her little microphone speaker dealie, if it oh, was yeah. perhaps playing the backing track. I don't know. But I received two texts at the same time from different people <laughs> talking about Becky's dancing. So. <laughs> I thought it would have been very scary dancing in that situation. I think she did well. I True. think so, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't want to criticise her at all. Because, like, no. if I was in that position, Evie and I, like, when we were watching this episode together, she asked if I would like to do this date. She was like, oh, have you ever thought about, like, climbing the... Sydney Harbour Bridge and I was like I would literally rather die <laughs> and like dancing whilst I was up there or even trying to perform or anything like this is a real feat yeah yeah like it's it's full credit to the boys for you <laughs> <Sure>. know <laughs> all of them I think it's funny that the commitment to the fear of heights date which as we said before is something that is like basically a requirement of the early part of this season that commitment is so strong that they have to do it once for each bachelorette <laughs> yeah my god like two episodes in a row we've had this kind of day yeah <laughs> right climb a thing uh listen to uh, an aspiring artist sing a song that you probably <laughs> don't know entirely a cappella, and then like it's like two aspiring influences sort of like Mm. Yeah, Going and again it. in this situation as well, neither of them was afraid. There was no challenge to overcome together. Yeah, or any yeah. of that element, they were just like, "Yeah, cool." <laughs> Would have been good if there was a singer who also went on the little picnic chair in the Blue Mountains, <laughs> <laughs> right in between the two of them. Yeah, it's totally. still Starly. I feel like we could have done the full Scarlet Starly. <laughs> yeah. like, hey guys, I'm back. <laughs> Um, so the challenge that's hanging over their heads, though, is that Pete has this big thing that he has to tell Becky, and it's hanging over his head, and he can't even appreciate the compliment that Becky gives him. She tells Pete that he looks snazzy, which is a great compliment. 
Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's weighing on his mind so much that he doesn't even seem to react when Starly, who has just met them, uh-huh. offers some sage advice. And she's like, Pete, I think you're the one. I feel like she's got a beautiful energy when she's with you. It's like, I didn't realize she was also qualified to, like, give, you know, she's like a psychic or something. In this well, moment. no, she's looking at the Starleys, Xavier, and uh, she's interpreting yeah, <laughs> So Pete does uh, give his relationship history next. He's like, here's the thing. We started out friends. It was cool, but it was all pretend. Yeah, yeah. Since you've been gone. Now he's married. He was married. He's just a boy. Yeah. She's just a girl. <laughs> it was the weirdest way he told that story. Right? So I don't know mm. if he'd been told to make it more dramatic and drag it out. Yeah. But that woman became yeah. my wife. Yeah. <laughs> what like, a twist. I met a girl and, uh, <laughs> yep. And uh, fast forward. One and thing led to another. Married. and uh, yeah. <laughs> He sounded like a politician giving an apology. Yeah. 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 Becky is a bit concerned that they've been a, that they've only been apart for a year, right? She's like, oh, you know, like maybe there's still some attachment there or whatever. Whereas I'm more concerned that he was divorced like less than a year ago and he still has eight pack abs. Yeah. Like the man <laughs> hasn't even had like a spoonful of ice cream. He clearly hasn't dealt with this at all. <laughs> maybe he never cared about her at all. Maybe he's incapable of love. How do you have a breakup without like putting on at least like 10 to 15 kilograms? That's true. Yeah, look, what they're doing is trying to signal, like, this is this is Pete's narrative. Is he ready for a relationship? Mm. And Becky looks at the camera as this is all unfolding, and she says, oh, my God, what is happening? Like, it's the biggest news she's ever heard in her <laughs> life. And she goes on to say, to her credit, she's like, it's not a bad thing to have been divorced. It's totally fine. But also tell that to your face, please. But it's also, like... <laughs> Pete, I think, is like 35, does he say that? Yeah. Am I right about that? Yeah, he's so roughly like, 35. What's the expectation that he's like never, like, <laughs> he still lives at his mum's place? Is it, like, is that the better, like, version that he's just never had any kind of relationship or any kind of life? I have a proposition that I want to run past you. Hit me. Mm-hmm. Do you think that it is possible that Pistol Pete had a shotgun wedding? Wow. Hey, oh, hey. my goodness. I hope so. <laughs> He's charming. He's divorced. He's <laughs> locked and loaded. Is he ready for a rally? He approaches this conversation with quite a bit of maturity. I wonder if it's a conversation that he has maybe already had to have at some point in the last year. Yeah. So what he says is when you become single, you work out who you are as a person and get an idea of who you are and what you want. And I was like, fuck yeah, Pete. Like, Did, did you guys yeah. like this as much as I did? Yeah. yeah, I think he seemed, yeah, very, like he'd processed it and was ready to move on and seemed very mature about the whole thing. And I also imagine, like, they'd been together for 12 years. Yeah. I, I think there probably would have been a considerable amount of time toward the tail end where it maybe wasn't going so great. Mm. Maybe he'd already sort of moved on. Yep, you know, sure. I don't think it would have yeah. just been this one year that they've been right. yeah, apart. That's true. Or, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Like, I, I think that long relationships, the breakup doesn't generally happen out of the blue unless, yeah. you know, for example, he cheats on you on Neighbours. <laughs> <laughs> I've been in yeah. that position, though. You know what I mean? Like, not married, but long-term You're listeners on of the pod. No! <laughs> Wait, I didn't tell you my other neighbor's story. Oh, can please, I, please, can I please. Add yeah. 
my story about Yvonne. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Yvonne, we saw your God. pictures with Yvonne and I was like, oh, my God, yeah. are you okay? <laughs> so he, uh, my brother on the show, um, before I started on the show, he was already on there and he had a whole arc where he's... Uh, he was an, an exotic dancer in the past. Love it. Right. And then so they brought Ivan in to like teach him some moves for like a routine he had to <laughs> do yeah. or something. And then I think, like I wasn't there for this, but I think in the end, like he didn't really have a lot of moves to teach or oh, there was some, oh, <laughs> I don't know Yvonne. what it was. But but then the pictures I had with him was um, my character's bachelorette party. Oh, um, last oh. year, and because my character's bi, I had two strippers, um, a guy, and, girl, <laughs> yeah, and they were yeah. both dressed as cops. Yeah. And my male stripper was Ivan, so oh. I had him literally like shaking his crotch right next to my face <laughs> <laughs> wow. party. And the photos were his idea. He wanted to get some photos, and he was really, really lovely, and oh, he was a very good dancer. Yeah, I've heard that Ivan yeah. is a um, <laughs> is a sweetie, and that has um, yeah, the, he's the lovely. Experience on TV might have might have changed some things for him. Um, I bet that's true. Yeah. Oh yes, yeah. post Bachelor in Paradise. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I am curious. The so all of the pictures that you sent to us were of the Bachelor or Ivan picking you up. Yeah, a lot of I lifts. Just, I don't. <laughs> I don't know how this happened. I swear, <laughs> these are the only pictures I have of anyone picking me up, and they're all Bachelor contestants. <laughs> yeah. I wish we were recording this episode in person because then we would definitely try and do it as well. <laughs> Oh, let's just like you know, CGI. We'll Photoshop it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm glad to hear that he was he was kind and nice. Yeah, he's very nice. He's also approximately 800 feet tall, <laughs> which I yeah. think is why he picked me up because the photos looked so weird. Because I'm very tall, but it still was like yeah. <laughs> really disparaging. <laughs> um, and we've also had um, Jesse Konstantinov, I think his name is from um, Maths. He's extra sometimes on the show. And he's friends with a few of the other cast. He comes out with us sometimes. Well, when we used to be allowed to go out. Yeah, yeah. in the before times. Mm. Yeah, in the before times. Yeah. (laughs) So I love this. I think that Pete is totally right about growth and how these kind of relationships can affect and change you as a person. And I like the conversation that they have for both of them, but particularly for Pete, right? Like Becky says that she wants good communication in her relationship and here's Pete communicating and it's a big thing. And then also look at his eight pack abs and then look at the fun thing that he did with the hat and the kissing. Yeah. Pete rules. I really think that Pete might be good. Yeah. Yeah. Pete's good. We like Pete. It's nice to pretty unreservedly be able to say like, the front runner or, you know, one of the two front runners or whatever is like genuinely seems like a pretty good choice. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't, it doesn't seem like tricksy editing or anything. Right. It seems like he is, yeah, quote unquote, there for the right reasons. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> and like the narrative that surrounds him and that has been built, the storytelling of Pete is like, look at this nice man who is emotionally communicative, who is also super hot. Mm. And here he is falling for the bachelorette and that's really cool mm. i think that's what we come to this show for and it's nice to have a little bit of that because i this is partly why i think that this episode is so good the storytelling for pete and the storytelling for pascal who we'll get to in a minute is just like is this is pristine top level bachelor bachelorette shit yeah so 
Becky says, I've got a little something for you, Pete. She pulls out a box with a rose in it. And he's like, amazing. <laughs> I thought he seemed really genuinely appreciative. <laughs> and like... <laughs> I don't remember this at all. No. Like it was one of James's magic tricks. <laughs> um, back at the mansion, we get some extremely subtle product placement. There's a boys chat that takes place with Sam, Pascal, Aggie, and Adrian while they're sharing some potato chips. Extremely, extremely subtle. Sponsored. Sponsored. Content. Pascal jokingly asks if he can confirm if the bachelorette that he is dating's name is Ali or Ellie. And it doesn't go down very well. Yeah, it's one of those things where, like, um, you know the thing where you rag on women to affirm each other's buff-headedness? Mm. Mm. Yeah, that thing I'm always doing. Yeah. That thing, yeah, me too. Yeah. I do that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> it happens all the time on this pod. It happens all the time in, you know, the circles that we move in, Xavi. Absolutely, yeah. Like, it's something uh, I like, try and squeeze into every conversation I can. April, it's something that we bonded over before Xavi <laughs> even got on the Zoom call. Yeah. We're like, We're chicks. It up yeah. Every day. Let's do it. <laughs> Can't live um, with them. And that's it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, look, Pasky really has it going on here like he exactly negs ellie to the point where he's yeah, like he loves a neg yeah That's really neg. really <laughs> mm. anyway now is it is it Zave, xavier is that what your name is Zave, xavier Hi. what yeah. or is it That's labia <laughs> let's let's take Call your boss right you now want. it's a fun nickname <laughs> <laughs> um so we hear from aggie next who says in confessional that quote i think pascal is bloody rude which becomes important a bit later, so let's just pour a cup of that and set it aside. Mm. Because next, Ellie gets a bachelor, bachelorette first, a mini date. Yeah, she uses the term mini date, which is interesting because it feels to me just like they had a bit more time in this episode. Right. <laughs> you know? She yeah. tries to make it a thing. Yeah, I felt like it was code for like, this will be cut for time, but she right. needs to be in the episode. Yeah, True. And it's this thing where, like, it's normally a very special occasion kind of treat for somebody who gets the first impression rose to be invited to the batch pad. Yeah. But it kind of just happens, and, it like, James gets picked for it, and it feels pretty arbitrary. Ellie yeah. even mentions that she doesn't really know him very well, and it's just kind of like, how did we end up here? Interesting, because James was the person who was being set up as kind of like a villainy sort of character in the, yeah. in the previous episode, but now we've turn that around and we're trying to legitimize him as a romantic interest right and so he's the guy with the spacer earring mm. and the super tattooed chest and he's got like a black nose ring yeah like a regular yeah. nose oh, ring wasn't cool enough <laughs> <laughs> ellie says that uh james has the energy and charisma that she's really attracted to and then for his part james says I've had a problem expressing myself in every relationship I've ever been in. Mm. Ellie, not him. Get out of here. <laughs> Get out of there. Yeah. <laughs> he, yeah, well, he tries to... He realizes that he said that, and he's like, oh, but now I've learned from my past relationships that I need to, like, open up and be more in touch with my emotions. And then he tells Ellie, I am India. <laughs> such an honor to meet yeah all of india it's rare that you get to meet an entire country <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, look 
bit of a Pollyanna. I just think everyone is very nice and want to be friends with everyone. Yeah. And I completely believed him and I was like, oh, he seems very nice and he's learned from his sure. mistakes. Yeah. Me too, like, though. But yeah. maybe I'm silly. I don't know. No, I, yeah. think you, I think you're probably right. Like, it is a, it's a bad sign that he says that, but I do believe him when he says that, you know, he knows this about himself and it's something he's trying to work on. Right. Um, it hints at self-awareness and I think that, um, jokes aside, that's cool. Yeah. I just want to clown on him a little bit <laughs> first. Next minute, they're in the pool making out with the uh, romance strings. And then Ellie says, it's the best swim I've ever had. Date over. There's the pool, because the, we know this is like the heart of winter, right? And the pool yeah. has like so oh. much steam coming off of it. I was worried it was going <laughs> to evaporate altogether. It was a very sexy date. It yeah. really and was. Because it was this mini date and there was no actual like activity or anything. Right. The whole date was literally just them sitting very close to each other mm. and talking intimately and then sexy making out in the pool. Yeah, I wonder totally. if that joke, like, like, You'd be kind of jealous fully. if you were the other guys that you had to do some like bullshit climbing up. Up and out <laughs> when he gets this little fun, sexy day. Yeah, yeah. that stuff is really kind of just a distraction. I mean, like, yeah. you can talk about it from the psychological angle of like you're experiencing something together and you're getting through it. Uh huh. But at the end of the day, it's like I could just have nice memories with you yeah. <laughs> instead of like terror. And that's the thing. Like, this feels like the kind of date that the Bachelorette should do more of. Even mm. you know, like two people sitting and having a conversation and then making out. Cool, good TV. Yeah, let's see and more in of fact, it. They should have a whole TV show about it where they do it on a cool island. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's now group date time, and it's a wakeboarding date. And thank God, was anyone else getting worried that there weren't going to be? Any extreme sports in this episode? Yeah, it's the other type of date. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But the instructors here are Ellie and Becky's nearest and dearest, presenting as horn-honking, beep-beeping car drivers and wakeboarding instructors. And undercover operatives. (laughs) Secret agent Damo and cousin Mitch. Classic spy names. Yeah. Damo and Mitch. Do you their code names? Undercover. <laughs> I'll be the Black Mamba and you can be Damo. <laughs> April, have you ever had uh, family go undercover for you? Uh, not that I know of. Mm. <laughs> Unless yeah, they were so I... deep undercover that even you didn't know about it. True. I'm easily fooled by a false moustache. <laughs> so... <laughs> Mom, is that you? <laughs> it feels like quite a neighbor's plot, actually. Oh, God. Madeline West we shows back up, but this now. time she's got a moustache. <laughs> no, actually. <laughs> I'll suggest it. Please. <laughs> I'll pitch it. Um, so on the way to this date, the boys are literally singing the um, boo-ba-ba-doo-ba chant in the car about? okay yeah, i can that was weird do, do you know what this chant is i was hoping no. you, I, oh, I, I in the back you. of my mind i was like max might know and it's completely alien to me is it a thing yeah yeah so what this is is the um wish that all the ladies chant you know that like private school boy i wish that all the ladies were like doing blah 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 it was this whole thing that um caused a big controversy last year with the Melbourne schoolboys from the Catholic school, St. Kevin's who were filmed singing it on the tram. And it's like this awful, stupid, entirely sexist chant. And I was like, hold on where, 
we're signaling what I think we're signaling with this because it was just like I was like, hold on, this is it's, it's like a dog whistle when you hear it because sure. like it. I went to a private school. I heard it all the fucking time. I hate it. What? It's so Fuck. dumb. Maybe it's a Melbourne thing. Cause I went to school in Sydney and, or maybe it was just kept from me at my lady school. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I remember I went to a, a Catholic high school in Northern New South Wales and like, I remember oh. being on school buses and being like, fuck, what's this shit? And it's like footy boys up the back doing this chant. And this is, this is what it is. And I was like, fuck, that's, Yucky. I hate it. I fully thought you were going to say, like, yeah, this is, like, up there with Ooh Ah Glenn McGrath in terms of, like, <laughs> things people chanted at cricket games in the late 90s or whatever. No. This, this is, is much more insidious. Some stupid, awful, sexist shit that I don't like at all. Um, well, that's kind of interesting when you consider that that's not the thing that gets brought up as a red flag. That, yeah. You know, like, of all the things that came up in this... I mean, there's some bad shit said in these in these back seats of this car. <laughs> yeah, but... I want to talk about the the kissing chat from Shannon first. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll get to Pascal in just a minute. Mm. Shannon is talking about the act of kissing a human woman. You might remember that he is one of the front runners for Becky, right? And he says, "Who doesn't chuck in some tongue? I don't oh, understand you've got that." To fang a bit of the old tongue in there. <laughs> You're you eating a bowl of porridge. Not- what is happening with this man (laughs) very very strange very tongue forward (laughs) do you know what was weird about this so one of them says oh who's 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 had a kiss yeah yeah Mm, mm. and james didn't put his hand up and they didn't really focus on it Mm. so my theory is well, at first I was like, oh, isn't he very polite? He kept it to himself, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know? But then I thought that, as you said, that thing seemed like a weird afterthought to fill time. Yeah. That, that mini date. Maybe that was filmed after and he hadn't Might kissed her at that yeah. point. Interesting. Yeah. It's so interesting that within that car ride, which normally is a part of the show that they skip, there are probably like three or four different narrative threads going on. Yeah. Like totally. The, and uh, the majority of them aren't really addressed, but yeah. The one that we will address is uh, the one about Pascal, who claims that <laughs> Ellie and Becky have been, quote, kissing anyone, A, eh? which is correctly identified by undercover cousin Mitch as gross and shaming. I want to say that this is something I'm guilty of mentioning last week on the podcast, and I feel a bit yucky about it now. That I I think I said th- they're being a bit kiss forward, and now I'm like, oh, but, I mean, come on. <laughs> but... But compa- comparable to other seasons, yeah, I don't. There is a lot of kissing. I think that's what I'm talking okay. about. It as as within the context of this show, like normally you don't yeah. see that much of it that early, and it's not something I have a personal problem with at all. I'm like fucking go for it, of course. Right. Pascal seems like this is informed by some jealousy, or you know, he he gets called Ratscal for it, which is I liked that. It's pretty <laughs> good. I feel like yeah. Rat Rascal is like right there, but I don't know how the yeah. pronunciation really really works. <laughs> Was it rat skull or like rat skull? Ooh, oh, rat skull's like, cool. Yeah. Rat skull's like the metal band he's going to start. Totally. <laughs> Maybe it's like presumably... rat scallion. Mm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's because of his furtive features, uh, tendency to acquire ringworm, and fondness for cheese. <laughs> and his excellent cooking ability. Yeah. <laughs> Here's where we mentioned that James is a pro wakeboarder. He's a 2010 world champion, but Pascal says he's seeing straight through all that. <laughs> all these credentials and medals are just no match for his experience as an amateur snowboarder, skateboarder, and surfer. Yeah. 
I like when all these men are bragging about their incredible like sportsman abilities, and I'm like, I thought I had to Google wakeboarding, even after watching <laughs> a show where it takes place. I was like, I thought that was the thing that you do in Wave Race 64, and I was wrong. Yeah, I was like, oh, cool, so nice for Adrian. He he instructs this. He'll be great. No, nope, that's kite, kite surfing. surfing. Yeah, that's a different, different one. Thing. Which I still <laughs> don't. I don't know what that is. What's surfing? Nope. Still not sure. What's I can only imagine we're, you... we're gonna do all of these things in the next week or two. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, it turns out that James rules at wakeboarding he does yeah he crushed it heaps of flips and cool stuff and then the other men are just like obviously not as good at it as the pro wakeboarder and mainly what we're seeing here is like this exists so that we can pipe in the humdrum of pascal laughing maniacally at the misfortune of the other men over the top Right, so you get this like montage supercut of people stacking it on their wakeboards and then Ratskull like laughing at them. <laughs> and it's weird that they've isolated his laugh from everyone else. Because yeah. everyone else is clearly also cracking up about this, but it's just literally his laugh. Maybe he has the most annoying laugh there, I don't know. He's got a bit of a like, the villain from Billy Madison. This is the second week in the row <laughs> Billy Madison has come up in the pod. Billy Connor. I was going to say, I was going to say the villain from Ace Ventura 2. Yes. <laughs> yes. We've got a little twirly moustache uh-huh. and he wears like the riding breeches. And... <laughs> but then he commits, he commits the sin. Cause I'm like, I want to maybe forgive him that I reckon probably all of these boys, knowing how these boys on this type of show tend to behave, they were probably all laughing. It's probably not that bad that he was laughing, but then he commits the major sin of misattributing the oh. excellent Wayne Gretzky quote, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take, to Michael Jordan. I thought that. I know nothing about sport, but when he said Michael Jordan, I was like, I never knew that was his right. quote. Is that right? It's not. <laughs> it's a it's serious crime against that, ice yeah. hockey from an <laughs> athlete who should know better. <laughs> And do you Hated take it. shots in basketball? I guess you kind of do. Yeah, you do. Is that what you call it? I guess. Yeah. yeah you shoot. Yeah, okay. All right. You well, shoot the basket. I've made it clear that I, in fact, don't know anything about sport. <laughs> don't worry. Right there with you. In fact, <laughs> I can't wakeboard properly until I've had my morning coffee board. Oh, God. <laughs> right, guys? <laughs> I can't wakeboard. Oh. Keep, please, what was the second bit again? Until I've had my morning coffee board. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Pascal then goes on the wakeboard. And I'm like a friggin' zombie it. board until I've had my friggin' coffee board. Am I right? <laughs> you idiot. More like wake snored. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really good. Uh, good. Very good. Pascal then says the other boys are behaving in a juvenile way, which is very funny. Not like him. Mm. No. And then Ellie and Becky meet up with their confidants afterward. And what's been reported is that Pascal might not be the dude for them. Cousin Mitch Mm. says, quote, Pascal is not a big fan of you girls. He says you've done too much kissing. Before we cut to Pascal in the car saying that in his conversations, he was respectful to all the lads. (laughs) Which is what we're here for, right? Absolutely. Please put some more respect on the good name of the lads. Yeah. Also, we've talked a little bit about the storytelling so far this season. I just want to say, like, they've got this right. Yeah, like... The way that they've set up this story with Pascal, even though it's all contained within this one episode, we're given the time to get to know him. The show's clearly telling us that we don't like him. And then we're stacking these little pieces of personality on top of each other and then contrasting them with like his own delusions of grandeur. Mm. And it paints a really complete portrait. I was like, good job, show. This is cool. 
Yeah, I noticed he on Instagram, like moments after the episode had aired, would be like, well, looks like I've been the victim of a bad edit. Don't know what I expected. Like that kind of excuse making thing. And and like, to be fair, it is not a kind edit. Like that super no. cut of him laughing and nobody else laughing is like very targeted. Sure. But also, I think he's given the show a reason to present him as an unsavory character. This is the thing we heard Glenn talk about, and we'll take Glenn as a source of truth on this, a very reasonable man, mm. that you are presented as who you are, and they might highlight a part of your personality and, and magnify it a little bit. Yeah. If we're to take that as, as gospel, sorry, Pascal. Mm. Next, it is the cocktail party, and 35-year-old Adelaide dad Harry is missing his son, Xavi. Yeah, let's talk about my dad. He's having some second he thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, he's like sacrificing time with me to be on The Bachelorette is such a big risk. You know, and he needs to make sure that he and Ellie are on the same page. Um, because obviously I'm a wonderful little little lad. <laughs> little baby. <laughs> little baby little baby Xavier. All at home missing daddy. Exactly. <laughs> I have to try and feed myself. <laughs> <laughs> So he uh, pulls Ellie aside and Ellie says, I appreciate that it's hard for you having Xavier at home. And look, it is like, I think that, you know, we can all agree that when you're away, Xavier, it's tough. <laughs> yeah. It's hard for me being at home and I literally don't leave my house for <laughs> any reason. <laughs> um, but neither of them really seem that keen. Neither Ellie nor Harry seem to be that keen on talking Harry back into staying on the show. No. Ellie says, like, I'd feel really guilty if you stayed. And Harry agrees that, you know, there was a spark, but now they've missed it. And it's, you know, it's time for him to go home and see me. And now it's, you know, I can confirm that he is here with me. And uh, <laughs> you know, I, should, <laughs> I should cross to him now. But yeah, he's you should do the Harry the ventriloquism. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they handled this really well. Me too. I think mm. I think Ellie is, like, very good in all of these moments. And, um yeah, I liked this little exchange. Yeah, me too. There was there's another moment in a second where Ellie is really, really good, and it has to do yeah. with Pascal being a rat. And the way that it plays out is that Becky pulls Aggie aside and basically <laughs> asks him to confirm rat status. I, I guess I just want to talk about the the dad or mum coming on Batchy situation which is something that comes up every couple of seasons. I think Harry is going to get a lot of good dad brownie points for doing this. Like I can picture him in 20 years. And almost, I wonder if like, this is the reason that he did it is that 20 years from now, he will be like speaking at the kid's wedding at my wedding. Sorry. Um, <laughs> and saying like, you know, once when you were just a little kid, I actually went on this show we used to have called the bachelorette. Yeah. Um, but I actually missed you so much that I gave up the opportunity and came home. And like, he is just going to get applause for that for the rest of his life, even though there's no sign that that was necessarily going to amount in to anything. Just the fact that he like passed it up, I think is like Brownie point central. Well, yeah, look, I look forward to an invite to your wedding in 2040s, AV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When I'm, 38? I don't know. Whatever. Wait, how old am I? That can't be right. <laughs> That's not correct. <laughs> that can't be right. <laughs> but I I also think, like, at the end of the day, like, I wonder if Harry has ever been away from me uh, <laughs> for more than, like, two weeks. And it makes me think, like, you know, I mean, he's free to do whatever he, whatever he wants, but, like, the fact that this consistently seems to not work, maybe just, like, 
you shouldn't be going on this type of show if you can't spend more than a couple of weeks away from your kid. Like it is, it's a really hard thing to be separated. And, you know, I get that you might not know that until it happens, but if you've watched as many things, or maybe that's the thing is like, nobody's watched this show as much as I have. I think you have to watch <laughs> it a bit to learn that lesson, but because it's such a recurring thing, it's always just like, I wish there was some way that you could just learn the lessons with people who have had this problem before. Has it happened a lot previously with male cast, though? I don't or think is so. it generally more of a mother thing? You know which what? Is That's what a really I thought good was point. Yeah. Gender dynamics wise, it's usually like, oh, the mum, because she has to take on all of the responsibility sure. and yeah. the main role. The and so mom. she's the one missing the child. Sure. And I thought maybe this was one of the first times we've seen it with the father. That's a great point. Nice. I didn't really think of that. Yeah. That he obviously spends a lot of time with his child mm. and is important in his life. And yeah. Yeah, I, I like that. So let's talk about whether or not Pascal was a rat because it sounds like you have something to say. Well, I was going to say just when uh, they go to fetch Aggie, yeah, <laughs> they're like showing all these little bits of Pascal being a, a bit of a dick. <laughs> like, she goes and she goes, can I see Aggie? And he goes, hey, the Agapantha. <laughs> and it's like, it's that very like finger gun vibe. Totally. And like, and when Entourage. you know what's coming, yeah. it's like so juicy to see him be like, hey, look how swaggy I am. Yeah. It's like the pride before the fall. Doesn't right. they, the two of them walk up to talk to him and he's like, hey, the double conversation. Like, what does he yes. say? Like, yeah, yeah. two After for one deal. talk to Aggie. Yeah. He's so the bad. Yeah. <laughs> and so Aggie confirms to Becky that Pascal has said a few things that are, quote, disrespectful and very shallow. And the main accusation here is that Pascal has allegedly asked, could they find hotter chicks for the show? Mm. Is the bro code collapsing? Does it mean nothing to you, Pascal? <laughs> I I thought Aggie handled that pretty well. Me like, too. He didn't want to... Yeah. Like, he didn't really want to sell him out, but he didn't want to lie and he didn't want to offend the girls. And yeah. he didn't really reveal it until very firmly pressed. It was such an interesting thing because you could tell Becky and Ellie were walking up to Aggie so that they could get him to dob in Pascal. True. Like, it wasn't like they wanted to talk to Aggie about Aggie stuff or anything. And he... <laughs> tried to pivot it back towards like hey like yeah so becky races across the courtyard to find ellie and hold on to your butts because this <laughs> sister act is coming to a conclusion and there's just there's no balls to be dodged here for pascal the women pull him aside and he says this he says i feel like i'm being confronted <laughs> and <laughs> Ellie raises it with so him. Good. It's incredible. It's so cringy. It's, it's so good. When they first go and he does that whole, ooh, the, uh, the double trouble. <laughs> the two and deal. This isn't coming. playing out what I, <laughs> in the way that I thought. And then you see him go, oh, when he realizes <laughs> Like, oh, oh, God. And yeah, Ellie raises it. She says, like, it's the kissing the too many men thing and whether or not he said that. And Pascal says, this conversation surprises me. I'm confused where this is came from. <laughs> Screaming. The next bit is so good. I'm wondering if actually we could get into character here for a bit of script reading and dramatic reenactment. I'm going to share my oh, I screen. I love this. I have prepared We haven't had script. a lot of actors on the show before, so it's good to be able to exploit them. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. Yeah, look, I've prepared the script for us. I'm just bringing it up now. Who would you like us to play? Okay, so I would like you to self-nominate 
who is feeling I'm I'm happy to volunteer in whatever role who's feeling themselves as a Pascal can I be Pascal I would love you to be Pascal <laughs> I think that's great that works very well so which one of us is an Ellie and which one of us is a Becky and I... how have we not had this conversation yet <laughs> where's the BuzzFeed quiz I'm a Charlotte <laughs> I'm going to nominate you as the Ellie Sabie, okay, and excellent. I will take on the role of Becky Wow, thank you. I mean, she is the star, as we have <laughs> now established. Okay, so I'm Ellie, Max is Becky, and April will be Pascal. Ratscal, sorry. Ratscal. Okay, and it begins like this. I would love to know, how would you do it better? What, what am I doing wrong? You're not doing anything wrong. Um, you are entitled to date everyone in the house and to kiss everyone in the house, but... Uh... You know what? I just feel like this isn't adding up for me, you know? We've heard that you've been basically questioning, you know, Ellie and myself saying things like, oh, you know what? Like, they could have picked, like, better better looking chicks. Is there any truth to that at all? Are you, tr- are you trying to create drama from nowhere? I have said none of this, comments. <sighs> you are basing this on hearsay. I think you are absolutely stunning. If you think... No, 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 no. That kind of comment does not impede on my self-worth or Becky's self-worth. Oh, girls, I have no idea. I would love to sit. I think you are both beautiful. I'm not buying what you're saying. I just think it's time for you to leave. Oh, <laughs> I'm going home. Good luck. <laughs> Utter bullshit in every sense of the word. What a crock of shit. I look like a dickhead fucking bullshit. <laughs> and scene. Wow. It was I mean, so great. Bravo. I love that you, the view, the listeners won't know this, but Max, like, specifically put this on, like, goldenrod paper. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, coma dreams are on goldenrod. <laughs> <laughs> and he wrote in horse noise as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, it's all about being professional here on the Bachelor of Hearts what we do. podcast, where we are coming towards the end of another episode because there's no rose ceremony. And the only thing that happens next is that Becky's like, thank you, boys. Thank you, boys. Mm. And then we fade to black. (laughs) I don't even remember if there's a next time on. I don't know what's happening next time, but to be honest with you, I don't know what's happened for four episodes and we've just finished (laughs) recapping them. (laughs) We're no closer to the truth. (laughs) April Rose Pengilly, thank you so much for joining us here on another episode of the Bachelor of Hearts podcast. This Can you tell us? Yeah, it was so fun. Thank you guys for having me. I'm a genuinely large fan of the show, so <laughs> I'm a genuinely That's really large kind. girl. Not, to be, not too large <laughs> to be picked up by several Batchy cast yeah. members. <laughs> yeah, it was very exciting. Thank you for having me. Find her on Instagram at April Rose Pengilly. Watch Neighbours at 6.30pm on Channel 10 Peach April, thank you so much See you guys, thank you Thanks again Well, Zavi Well, Maxi We made another friend, how nice is that? Oh, what a thrill That was really great That was yeah. a really fun episode I had a lot of fun uh, with, with April That was uh, that was a good one Yeah, totally um, I had a lot of fun with you, obviously, Max. Also, yes. You are getting better and better every week at hosting this show. Oh, thank you so much. Which and is crazy because it started so well. I know, I know. And like all those it's, years it's ago. Weird to think about the gradient in those terms, but um mm. 
look, what can I say? You miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. You miss yes. 100% of the podcasts that you don't make. You miss 100% of the friends you don't make. And that's exactly what we came here to do on the Bachelor of Hearts podcast. If you would like... I don't know why the if you would like thing feels so unnatural to me. Okay. We would like... I can fix it. We would like you to be our friend. Yeah. We you want have, to be friends with you. Yeah. I don't have a lot of friends. <laughs> it's a weird angle. Um, if you made it this far, you are already our friend. And mm. the best way to extend and elongate that friendship is to come on by our Facebook page group. <laughs> Shit. Christ. Uh, our Facebook group, Bachelor of Hearts Osh Posting. You can find us there. We are posting silly nonsense plus sort of up-to-date newsy things and, I don't know, whatever, whatever happens. We broke the news that Bachelor in Paradise is not returning. We and did not break in the that. comments that was were broken bummed elsewhere. out. Well, we shared the news that had been broken elsewhere. <laughs> we had an exclusive on what we had to say about that news. <laughs> uh, you can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at BOHpod. Mm. Um, you can find me on social media and Twitch at XavierRN. And mm. Max also uses the internet. That's right. You can uh, hit me on the uh, internet at Qua- Quaxmin. Quaxmin. I like that. Max Quinn, find me wherever you are. I love you. Xavi, I love you. I April, love you too, Maxie. Thank you so April, much. That was so we good. We love you. New we friend. love you. New friend. Tell you what. Classic all-time ep. One of the best. Top 106 episodes for sure. Listeners, we love we you. We love you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Running out of time. Making most of what's before me. Searching for a sign.